Welcome to the Sports and Torts podcast and its presentation of college football's last call. This podcast is powered by the J. Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, the boys bring you their thoughts on this week in college football. What is up, everybody? Glad to have you all joining us again for this week's episode of College Football's Last Call. Watching us on the J. Stein YouTube channel, listening to us on the Sports Source podcast. However you're here, we appreciate it. Y'all are the best in the business. Open week for UGA, guys, week eight, but not an open week for us. Show must go on. We're here to party. Lawrence, I especially appreciate you two weeks in a row coming live from off-site in a hotel room with a business trip. You were the man. Uh, greetings, so guys, greetings from Scottsdale, Arizona. Yeah, greetings from Scottsdale, Arizona. The weather's nice. Uh, just a busy a busy month of October. I got my ranch water in hand. We're ready to rock and roll. Red, you're in the trust tree here. Did your wife kick you out? Hey, we're good, man. We're good. She actually told me. Uh, she told me today that uh, I left her home this week with three children, uh, with the third being my mother-in-law. So uh, thoughts and prayers, Lindsay Kessler, I'll be home on Friday. So your mother-in-law, Patty, was brought in to help, and she's she's becoming an extra child? Uh, well, yeah, you know, mother-in-laws, yeah, they're, uh, they're a special breed. Talk about the Larry, temperature in Scottsdale right now. So 80 degrees, there hadn't been, I haven't seen a single cloud in the sky since I arrived. Uh, I went for a nice walk around the property today, hit the gym uh, after the conference stuff was over. Um, it's not a bad place, man. Uh, I'm enjoying my time out here. Now, you know, talk to me if I come back here in July, sweating uh, you my you-know-what off, but uh, October in Arizona is not a bad place to be. You're a little Dupree's? <laughs> Larry, two things. Uh, one, if you record next week from another hotel room, uh, we are going to check uh, Cobb County divorce records to see if something's been filed. Call, call and, Garrett Nail; he'll be he'll be able to let you know uh, everything is on the up and up. Two, uh, there's a great place in um, in Scottsdale called Loco Patron. You should check it out. <laughs> Uh, it, it is a place that uh, ASU co-eds hang out, but you know if that's your thing. I'd check it out. Make sure hey, you listen. Uh, listen in the background right now, game seven. Uh, this is probably like the seventh and eighth minute of baseball that I've watched since the Braves got bounced. But should the Diamondbacks uh, somehow pull this off, uh, I will load up some photos onto my iPhone and uh, Uber down to Loco Patron and see where the night takes me. You know, I love a lot of things about Jason Gans, but top of the list, he has never missed a fastball on the inner half. That dude will turn on a fastball on the inner half 10 times out of 10 and knock it out of the park. Tip of the cap to you, my friend. So how's the weekend, boys? I mean, no UGA game. Um, had some more free time. What games y'all watch? What'd you do? How was everything? Yeah, lovely weekend. I, I met a, a few friends, uh, loyal listeners of the show, at Taco Mac to watch a couple of games. The and I know we'll jump into them at some point. But the Ohio State Penn State game. By the way, Taco Mac does a really I'm not a big fan of their their food. It's not horrible, but you know, just not something. My body's my temple, and it's not something I necessarily like to put in there. But what a great setup for watching football. We were there for a couple of hours. They've got I don't know a thousand TVs, and uh, it was just a nice relaxing weekend. Yeah, we had a, a weekend full of uh, kid sports running around, celebrated the wife's birthday, went to Hal's, uh, consumed my weight in martinis, and uh, Sunday I was uh, sweating it out a little bit, but uh, it was a fun weekend. Um, you know, we typically like to say the bye week is used to heal the body and take a break, but uh, 
I, I'm pretty confident with the three of us uh, that did not happen. Um, so we, you know, the show must go on, as you said earlier. Yeah, it never works out that way in terms of taking a couple of days off. You got to just just keep playing through it. So the Tennessee Alabama game was what I spent the most time watching. Tale of two halves, honestly. Um, it was funny. We're all texting about who we were rooting for. I was rooting for Alabama. I don't know where y'all were, but uh, I was glad to see Alabama win. Tennessee is the top of my don't care for at all list these days. Whiners, they bitch. Got nothing nothing good to say about them. Um, what were y'all's impressions of that game? I, uh, gosh. So, uh, you know, I watched the first half and then I had to go to uh, kids football and I was watching the second half getting updates on my phone. And man, it was it was a tale of two halves for sure. Um, I think that uh, I think that Alabama and Georgia actually have a lot of similarities this year in the way that they play. They come out a little unsteady. Um, you know, not the this is not either of their most talented teams that they've ever had. Uh, but with the athletes that they have and the coaching adjustments they make in the second half, they find ways to win. Alabama Alabama came out and, and just dominated the second half. Milrow played really well. Um, and Tennessee just folded under pressure. In terms of who I was rooting for, uh honestly, like I always like to see Alabama lose. Um, so and you know, one more loss kind of takes them out of the picture a little bit. Um, because I think we can handle business with Tennessee. I just don't think they're that good of a team this year. Um, and quite frankly, they may lose uh, on the road in Lexington this week. I was rooting for Alabama, um, not because of the SEC race. Uh, they kind of annoyed me last year, and and when they beat Tennessee or when Tennessee beat Alabama in Knoxville, it was like they won Super Bowl one. Um, you know what, what's the old expression? Act like you've been there before. Um, Listen, when Georgia plays like Georgia played against Kentucky, neither one of those teams scare me particularly. I agree. I think Alabama is the better team. I kept saying, look, Alabama could go nine and three. They could go eleven and one. Eleven and one's looking more likely than nine and three. They've got LSU left. Uh, they've got Kentucky left. They've got Auburn left, and and you know some cupcake. Tennessee's starting. They've got some tough sledding, as do we. You know, now we're getting into the meat of our schedule. Um, but yeah, Tennessee now has two losses. They'll probably end up with four. Um, but yeah, look, I'm not sold on Jalen Milrow. I think Joe Milton, we said it last week, they both suck. I think um, um, Joe Milton is, is just terrible. Again, the guy could throw the ball 80 yards, but he can't throw 10 yards. He, he puts the same velocity on it 10 yards as he does 80 yards. Milrow, is just, he would just make me nervous if he was my quarterback. I'm glad Carson Beck is our quarterback um, over both of them. Milrow's super athletic. Um, you know, what is he, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, runs. You know, he's, he, the guy's very, very athletic. He does throw a nice deep ball, but he just holds on to the ball way too long. He took, I think, four sacks, of which probably three of them, you know, he could have gotten rid of the ball. So, a uh, good win for Alabama. Uh, I, I thought they were going to win by 17. They ended up winning by 14. But, yeah, they dominated the second. Do you think at some point Tennessee is going to turn the keys over to uh, the Hawaiian that they signed last year? I don't think so unless Milton gets hurt at this point. I mean, I guess if 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 Georgia would lose to uh, Florida this weekend or lose to Missouri before, maybe, right? Maybe they could squeak into to the uh, SEC championship, but they, they're effectively out of the playoff hunt at this point. So what's the point, right? Maybe, you know, I guess you could play him four games and still preserve his red shirt, you know, um, if they hadn't done it by now, I don't think they're going to do it. And, and that's probably a good, you know, at some point segue to, to Texas as well. 
Well, before we move on to that, speaking of keys, I don't trust Josh Heupel to make decisions on who gets the keys. He's a clown. His post-game antics and whining and crying about the refs. Again, Kirby would never do that. Uh, Heupel and the Vol fan base, they just look silly. In contrast, I'm kind of liking Saban this year. I mean, you know, the whole victory cigar tradition that he's never really dug with. That dude was chiefing down the cigar post-game. I'm not a big cigar guy myself, as you all know, but that's a kind of a cool tradition that they have. Saban seems to be enjoying what's going on right now. Um, So, again, I was rooting for Bama. Glad they won. Uh, The game before that, Penn State, Ohio State, just garbage. I'm sorry, just garbage. Uh, Penn State won. I mean, excuse me, Ohio State won. Penn State did nothing. Marvin Harrison was the best player in the field. Best player in the country, not named Brock Bowers. That's why they won. Um, but God, everybody loving this Ohio State crap. Like, I don't see it. What about y'all? I agree with you. I mean, I, I'm not even going to really go into it. It was the game was boring as shit. Um, Drew Allard, I've been hearing all season how great Drew Allard is supposed to be. He's the next Josh Allen. Color me unimpressed on Saturday. Marvin Harrison is awesome. If I were him, I just, I think they, I think he had 11 catches, but I get him 15. Uh, that, that that's your key to success right there. Um, you know, again, I, I want to see what, what Penn state does when Michigan comes there. I want to see what Ohio state, but, uh, yeah, I, I, neither one of those teams scare me in a playoff. If, if we're playing to our potential and I know if, 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 I would like for you to refer to him as Maserati Marv, as Gus Johnson was wearing our eardrums out with the nicknames. Um, and we buried the lead a little bit because the sucker bet came back and won because everybody was all over Penn State. They were the media darling. Uh, Ohio State took care of business. And I think it's more of the fact that Penn State mismanaged in that game was poorly coached. I think Penn State's two best players on offense are the running backs. And then every time I look up, Drew Aller or Drew Allar is like firing the ball four yards, four, four rows deep into the stands. Like uh, it was a, it, it set uh, offensive football back about 69 years. Um, both defenses are good. And and then James Franklin, who I think um, is an overrated coach at this point. I think Reese Davis called him properly rated because he wins what he should and he loses what he loses when he should. Uh, but then he comes out and says that these are the two of the best teams in the country from a defensive perspective. But I, I just wasn't impressed by either team, quite frankly. I think we're all on the same page. So in 2023, I don't give credit to defense. I say the offenses suck, right? Like we're at this stage where all the offenses have gotten so good and the rules so favor offenses and the play calling is where it's at. Like, I don't think defense is good. I think those two teams offenses just suck. I mean, I just, I just really do. Um, I know Ohio State's getting a lot of love this week for now what they call two big wins. But again, until they put up good yards and good points and good numbers on a good team, like like you said, Red, color me unimpressed, which was kind of the theme of the weekend, right? Like Texas, Oregon, Washington, Florida State, all those teams held on and won. Uh, but they all kind of sleptwalk through their games, right? Like no one really put on the gas, uh, blew teams out. It was just kind of a ho-hum game for all those top teams. Yeah, and look, it goes back to the theme of the season of, of parity. Um, Oklahoma uh, very well could have lost at home to in the Dylan Gabriel Bowl. I watched a good amount of the Florida State-Duke game. Duke's quarterback got pulled out, wanted to come back in. Florida State didn't overly impress me. Um, I watched Washington, um, and Washington was really, really lucky 
to beat Arizona or Arizona State. I'm sorry. And I didn't see this part of the game, but apparently there was just a horrendous um, non-call and a pass interference that I, I guess they might have even reviewed it. And the Pac-12 refs just said, nope, no call. Um, that that really turned the, the game. I guess somebody threw a pick six afterwards. So none of those teams really impressed me at all. Uh, I didn't see anything with, with Oregon. Um, I just think, I do think that there's a lot of parity. Uh, I don't think that there is a dominant team right now in, in college football. Well, the, the only team that seems to be going out and kicking ass every weekend is Michigan. Right? And I wonder if there's a reason for that. <laughs> look at look at the segue from Big Lair. We put on the stat on, on the sheet today, like this whole Michigan sign stealing, uh, play call stealing situation. Um, guys, where there's smoke, there's fire is kind of how I have always kind of lived my life. Um, it's what it's it's a two part thing, right? It's like number one, they, they're sending people off campus to scout teams they're playing in the year they're playing them, which is a no no, and then attempting to record signals and signs while they're being played live in games right and and the allegation is they are sending this what the stafford this guy connor stallions buying tickets on StubHub. great name going and doing this stuff so again this plays into your your theory on jim harbaugh right it's just add one more thing to the list yeah so i actually read a little bit more tonight about it too um he <laughs> he uh they went back to 2021 and of course buying it through step and buying it through like seat geek you could you could track it and you have you know these electronic tickets so uh for instance georgia would know what you know ticket you know six nine four two zero gets scanned to go in the door and they could and then they could trace it to, to the seat and then they can go back through film and see if you're actually sitting there. It reminds me of Curb Your Enthusiasm episode uh, where they went to the Dodgers game and some guy in real life was convicted of murder, but it turned out he was there. Um, and so anyway, what they've got is this guy was at, uh, he scouted last season, Georgia, Tennessee, and Alabama. Um, and they caught him uh, it, it, at, I don't know if they actually said Sanford Stadium, but they caught him scouting all three of those games. Ironically, TCU is not on that list. Uh, they screwed the pooch on that one. Uh, so a couple things. Um, normally I would say something like this is like a big nothing burger, but then as you start to follow social media, you see stuff on the sidelines that this Connor Stallions guy is always posted up right next to the defensive coordinator, and he's got a stack of laminated uh, Waffle House menus that actually have, when you zoom in, the opposing team's hand signals on them. Oh, really? um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty wild. And uh, the other part about it, which I find also really funny, is apparently they did this and scouted Georgia before the Orange Bowl a couple of years ago, and we still beat the shit out of them, thirty-eight to eleven. So that just goes to show the power of Kirby Smart. Um, my 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 take on this at the at the end of the day, I think Jim Harbaugh is coaching the Chicago Bears next year. Uh, this will be his last year at Michigan. I think he's going to uh, see his way out of Ann Arbor after this is all said and done. I just have one question, though. Why do they not do what they do in the NFL where they just put a receiver in um, the quarterback's ear and you call in signals? I read that they're testing that um, in the bowl game, bowl season this year. But, I mean, that that's a really easy way to, to get rid of all this. I think what's going to be fascinating to watch is how the rest of Michigan's season plays out now that they are kind of under the microscope. They they um, suspended this guy, right, Connor? I mean, so, so Michigan gone. Did. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see if their games now become closer, whether because the competition's better or because they're not doing this anymore. You know how the spin's going to look one way or the other. So I'm I'm excited about that. But let's go ahead and jump into what one thing I was I was interested to hear y'all's take on. We're a week early, but the the first uh, college football playoff is going to come out next Tuesday night. 
Um, I don't think we'll have another week's recording before then, so we're going to have to assume the way some of these games play out um, this weekend. Everybody's loving Michigan, right? They're everybody's darling, even though they haven't played anybody. But uh, when y'all see one through four, Lawrence, I'm going to let you go first. Who is your prediction how this is going to be looking? And list the team and also their ranking. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to go and list mine. Then this is through the games played so far to date, right? Not kind of where I think things will project if I pre- predict the future. This is how I think. I mean, I want you. This is how I think. Yeah, after we're going after, a few days ahead. Yep. Yeah, after this weekend, I think it'll think it'll be Michigan number one. I think Georgia will be number two. I think Florida State will be three, and I think Washington will be four, and Oklahoma will be on the outside looking in, number five, with Ohio State probably six. Gans? Yeah, so I I don't assume anyone's going to lose this weekend, including Georgia. Um, I think Georgia's not in the top four when when they come out, Uh, unless we absolutely beat the shit out of Florida this weekend. I think they want to do everything they can to get Georgia out of that top four, which I think Kirby would absolutely love. I'm going to be a little contrarian to you, Lawrence. I think Ohio State's going to be one. They're going to say there's two you know, wins are the, the best two wins. Florida State, two. Michigan, three. And Washington, four. Um, Georgia, probably five. And Ohio, six, uh, uh, Oklahoma, six. I do not think Georgia's in the top four next week. And I think Kirby hopes that they're not in the top four next week. Oh, Dan, did Dan Mullen steal Gans's computer? What's going on here? That, so this is fascinating. No, I, didn't say, I didn't say that's my opinion. I didn't say that's my opinion. I didn't say that. I don't think Georgia deserves to be in there. I, I, you know, look, of course, I, I, I would have Georgia won if I had a ballot. I think this we're starting to get that Alabama feeling where people are getting sick of Georgia. And they're going to say we've got one good win. And, and you know, if, if we beat Florida by 14, which we're favored by, they're going to be like, yeah, ho-hum. Fascinating that the What's your all three of our lists are going to be wildly different from each other, which I think goes back to that word that you used a minute ago. We've used all, all week or all year, excuse me, which is just parody. I mean, I've got Ohio State one, same thinking as you, Gans, the two big wins, call it what you will. They are on paper big wins. I've got Georgia two. I think Georgia should be number one. I think they're not going to be for, for many reasons, one of which I think that they want some clickbait and ESPN wants some conversation that the two-time – Back-to-back, you know, defending champions are not number one. I've got Michigan at three and FSU at four. Um, so we'll see. But just interesting that all of us have a different different kind of look to that. Yeah, and like top, said, same top it, six, just different orders. But, yeah, I get it. Yeah, none of it means shit. And I think, like I said, I will reiterate that Kirby would love it. Yeah, I, like- so, Gans, I like yours the best because that, that feeds into the – you know, the rat poison and all the no one believes in us type stuff that Kirby can just continue to feed these guys and, and wash their brains. Now, if, seven we record, five, if, if we recorded this Sunday night or Monday night and Georgia, you know, whoops up on the, the Gators, you know, 31 to seven, maybe it's a different tune. Um, what do you all think about that game? I, I, I'm I'm interested in Carson Beck going back to Jacksonville. It's his hometown. He can come back, you know, as, as the quarterback Raider role. Um Billy Napier, we've talked about him a thousand times. One thing uh, Brandon Adams on on his podcast talked about, Napier's just boring as shit. Like, there's nothing to him. You know, he has no umph. He has nothing to talk about. He brings no juice. Um, And so the Gators kind of take on that persona. Like, I don't even know really much about Florida other than the little things that we've seen about him um, in in, in the games that they played. There's no real storyline that they bring to the table. Yeah, Um, Georgia's a heavy favorite, two touchdown plus. 
They should go and take care of business. This game used to have a whole lot of juice to it, a little less now. Still, super fun game. Always fun to watch. 330 CBS. I can't wait. Where are y'all's headspace at? I mean, as you guys know, any weird shit happens in Jacksonville, right? So, you know, my expectation, honestly, is Carson Beck may start a little slow. He's playing in front of the hometown crowd. There's going to be a lot of uh, ankle tat sleeves that the kids are wearing as they walk into the stadium. Uh, 50-50 split. It's going to be hype. And I think he may, I think we may see some nerves out of him like we did at Auburn. Uh, he, you know, quite frankly, hasn't had again a ton of true road games other than Auburn. And this isn't really, I mean, a road game, but it is, it's not in Athens. Um, I think Georgia takes care of business. I think we win probably 30 to 14, cover the number. Uh, the only thing about Florida that I know is like, is there the guy, the transfer from Wisconsin, Graham Mertz, has actually been statistically speaking pretty good. Um, not great, and they but they don't have a lot of uh, household names like you mentioned, right? Ricky, I think Ricky Pearsall, the guy who basically wears biker shorts out there, you know, he's a pretty good playmaker. Um, you know, I just I kind of expected to be a ho hum. You know, we're gonna just take care of business and leave there with another win, and people be partying at Roots Chris on Saturday night. Yeah, I got uh, 34 twenty. I got the dogs as of production time. It's fourteen and a half, so I got us not covering. I think we're going to come out slow and for a different reason than we normally come out slow. I think they're going to be, I think they're probably concerned that Carson is going to press a little bit and they're going to try to bring them along slow. I think the second half, the better team is going to prevail. I think we'll wear them down in the second half. Uh, I hope it's not a game with five minutes left. Um, you know, I hope we don't score that late touchdown to cover, but um, yeah, I got a 34 20. I think it's going to be a ho hum, take care of business, move on. Uh, candidly, Missouri scares me more than Florida does at this point. That game's in Athens, so it's it's a different story. And, and yes, weird things happen in Actionville, but um, Missouri's a better team than Florida. It, it is funny how the narrative on Georgia's schedule has completely been flipped upside its head with what this next month looks like. I mean, Lawrence, you nailed a Georgia-Florida game. Weird shit happens. You can't overlook them. And then you've got three really tough games coming up, all-ranked opponents. Like you said, Missouri, who would have thought that would have been a scary game, but it is. Ole Miss, they're they're who they are. And then Tennessee in Knoxville scares you. So it's just funny how this next month has taken on a very different look than maybe we perhaps first thought was going to. Yeah, what I like about it, though, is – um, look, I, I, we all are in agreement. We think Georgia comes away unscathed. I think again, it could be a little bit tighter than I'd like in the first half. Missouri is in Athens. It's going to be a three thirty game in Athens. Ole Miss is in Athens. It's probably going to be a night game. I watched Ole Miss Auburn this weekend. They did not impress me. I, I expected more out of uh, my man crush Lane Kiffin uh, than what I saw this weekend. Tennessee, again, doesn't impress me. The only thing that scares me is that death trap of a field in Neyland. And, and I, I kind of hope they, they pick up another loss before that because I just want their fans out of it because that place can rock a bit. Um, we should win every game. We'll be favored in every game here on out. But, yes, it, the schedule has gotten tougher. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying, but just back to the Georgia-Florida game, uh, I would really love to see somebody like – a Kendall Milton or Ra Ra Thomas just really step up and put themselves on the map and make a name for themselves and and write their names down in the annals of Georgia Florida history. You know, we need somebody who can step up and be that alpha male um, to replace Brock Bauer. So I'm excited to see who takes that that reign and, and steps up to uh, to win for the dogs on Saturday. I'll tell you who it's going to be. One Marcus Roseby Jack Saint, the lunch pail guy from Florida. 
Broke his ankle there in 2020. He's coming back for for revenge this week, and he's going to put up over a hundred. I love it. Don't think it went unnoticed that you pronounce his name exactly right. I mean, exactly right. Uh, I'll go ahead and put my score there. I say 31-21, a little closer of a game than than you guys. Um, that, that's just how I see it play out. So the next week's slate of games is kind of uninspiring. Uh, the o- the only real big game, you know, is in terms of ranked teams: Oregon versus Utah. Salt Lake City College Game Day is there. I feel the need to bring that up every week where they decide to go. Uh, what does Salt Lake City look like at 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning getting prepped for a football game? You guys have any idea? I think sweet tea. Oh, <laughs> I think a lot of unsweet tea. Good party in Salt Lake City. Um, I think they're going to show out. They never get it. Salt Lake City's uh, – uh, transitioned, I'd say, in the past decade, uh, and it's, it's it's a little foodie city. It's a you know got good bar scene, good music scene. So I think those guys are are, are going to come out. They're going to show out. Um, you know, I don't know what to think about Utah. I actually watched more Utah this season than I thought I would have. What's his name? Cam Rising. It seems like he's out for the season. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, you know, Oregon's a six and a half point favorite on the road at, at Utah. So. Uh, but yeah, I think can I, I, think can I ask good. the next question, uh, Lawrence? Who who do you expect to be the guest picker, Carl Malone or John Stockton? <laughs> that's, a, that's a great that's a great question. Um, I would say John Stockton uh, over Carl Malone. Um, I mean, you never know; they could audible and bring in Coach Irvin Myers, you know, because he's a Utah coaching alum too. Um, but I do I do like the Utah coach Whitting Whittington or Whitting Willingham. Whittingham, yeah, he he's a good coach. I like him. Yeah, I, I think it'll be tough getting uh, Coach Irvin Myers out there, being that he's on the big new kickoff with the Fox the Fox broadcast. While while we're uh, looking at next week's game, we got a sucker bet lined up. You're uh, you're on a little bit of heater. You won one, which is which yeah. is good. I, I wouldn't quite call it a heater, but we're trying to get back to five hundred. Um, I will tell you what my sucker bet pick of the week is, and I one hundred percent hate this pick. I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> <laughs> so we know that uh UNC pulled the biggest UNC in the history of UNC and lost to a one and five Virginia team last week. They are uh going on the road to the flats this week to Georgia Tech, where UNC is favored by 11 and a half. Georgia Tech has lost at home to Bowling Green. They've lost at home to Boston College. And if you if you follow the stats, UNC should kick the crap out of Georgia Tech, Brent Key and Georgia Tech. I'm taking the jackets at home, plus 11 and a half. Haven't we been down this road before? Gans, haven't we been down this road before? <laughs> I told you, the games suck. I hate this pick, but I'm rolling with it. I mean, I'll gladly, I'll gladly take uh, the fighting Tom Ludlums uh, and uh, eleven and a half points. I did see. Oh, you know what, Larry? Okay, I, I don't mean to steal your thunder here, but if I were to play a sucker bet of the week, right? I think that so Tennessee is a three and a half point favorite at Kentucky. I don't know which which way um, you know the lines are moving there, but I would have thought. Tennessee would be a, a bigger favorite. So I would have thought Tennessee's the sucker and figured Kentucky would be the play there, plus three and a half at home at night. But I'm, th- this isn't my spiel. It's, it's all the, you it was written down on my card as one of my choices. But uh, when I looked at where the public wagers sit, and granted it is still early in the week, 
90% of the bets right now are on UNC. And so I typically go the other way from there. All right, but God, I God like where your head's child. at. You, Brent Key and the Ramblin' Rack have yourself a day on Saturday. Uh, we got a Jimbo of the Week from last week? Yeah, yeah, I, I'll, I'll make this quick. Um, so three nominees. One is a guy that we, we talk about quite often, Jermaine Burton. He's a hell of a player. He's having a really good season. We always do he's a hell of a player, but for fuck's sakes, pardon my language, when you catch the ball, you don't need to just go off on everyone on every catch. He's not it. Second one, but you, you're a, a nominee. Second one is I watched the OU-UCF game, and Gus Malzahn just is going to Gus Malzahn when it's time to Gus Malzahn. He, they score a touchdown with no time left on the clock. They go for two, and the guy runs the oop-de-oop. Uh, he they had to go for two, and he runs the oop de oop. He runs a double pass, which they never got off, and they ended up getting sacked. Just hey, the guy can't get out of his own damn way. It's been like that for years. But the, the winner this week, you really don't need to go into it. Is Jim Harbaugh? I mean, how often can, can how many times in a season can you get into trouble like this? We've already discussed. He kills neighborhood cats. He's a serial killer. Uh, I agree with you, Lawrence. Uh, he will not be at Michigan next year, uh, regardless of what happens this season. I think he'll probably be in the NFL, but but who knows? I, I, nothing would surprise me with that maniac. Uh, but but you're the Jimbo of the week, buddy. Is this the first time he's won the award? But I think he's won it in years past. And I have gone off on him being a serial killer before. Uh, but yeah, it, it just I, I couldn't give it to anybody else in good conscience this week. Can, can I give honorable mention to that jackass Tennessee volunteer fan that took over Twitter last week calling for yeah, you know, the death of every Georgia football player and every fan and just completely showing his ass and just give it to the entire, you know, Vol Nation. I missed that because I'm not on Twitter any longer, but uh, you've, maybe you guys pointed it out. I didn't see it. So the one thing that All I right. saw about that, Josh, I don't know if it's true, but apparently he was on an episode of Cops at one point, uh, this guy. And, uh, yeah, UGA went deep deep in the uh, LUD PI uh files to find this guy on an episode of cops and that guy is a total bonehead just he's one of those guys that he makes all fan bases look bad and uh yeah he's a total jimbo actually he's an asshole is what he is so he's an asshole yeah that. okay so with no georgia game we discussed last week doing something a little different out of the box something creative and so the three of us kind of got together and talked about what would be a a fun kind of discussion and where we landed which um i'll be honest i had a good time looking this up was Looking at the last 25 years, you know, we've all been, um, Lawrence, you got to, to Athens 96, Gans, me and you 97. So, you know, roughly 25 years going through and coming up with what is our uh, first team, all UGA squad offense and defense over the last 25 years. We didn't set kind of what those parameters look like, what the credentials are. Uh, you know, everybody can put their own little spin to it, but um, let's hear what you guys came up with. If y'all want to paper rock scissors to see who goes first, to see whose thunder does or doesn't get stolen, go for it. I'll go last. Y'all decide. Why don't we just hit position groups and alternate with each position group? Yeah, and you start with quarterback because I know where you're gonna. I know where you're gonna go. Well, I know what you think I'm gonna go. You think I'm gonna say so before we start this off, right? Is the criteria um, what they accomplished at Georgia? Who is the best player at Georgia? Who is the best overall football player? So you do you, boo? Sure. So, uh, yeah, you got to go with – I'm just going to go. My, my three were Stetson, Aaron Murray, and Matthew Stafford uh, based on those three criteria, but I'll just go with Stetson. So I I kind of was all over the place when I started doing this exercise, and I enjoyed it. There were some position groups where I went um, kind of the the – not necessarily the best 
position player, but who accomplished the most. Uh, and with quarterback, I also went Stet. Also, I went David Green second. I went Aaron Murray third um, in, in terms where, of that order. Where did Quincy Carter fall on your list? <laughs> so Quincy, I had a separate list I made of like favorite players by position groups. And unfortunately, Quincy still didn't even crack that list. I was dying to go Aaron Murray because if for no other reason, just to troll the two of y'all, because y'all gave him so much shit, Mr. Empty oh. Calorie Murray for all those years. Uh, I have him written down with an asterisk saying, I want to say him, but I'm not. I'm going DJ Shockley. I know that he is not going to be in anybody's top five and he only had one year. I always liked DJ. I appreciated him sticking out through David Green. If he would have been given three or four years to start, he'd have he'd have broken all the records. Uh, but I did like myself some Aaron Murray. I, he, I I had Shockley as number five on my list. Yeah, that's probably he, about right. He always has a grab back, grab bag. But uh, one thing, just point of clarification here on, on AA Ron Murray and Lawrence and I are in the same boat here. We were we liked him his senior year. Really, at the SEC championship game, uh, his junior year, 2012, was when we liked him. Before that, it was empty calories. And we actually got brown paper bags made up in one. Agreed. 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 So, so he will probably be one of the last, if not the last, four-year starter in college at one university, right? I mean, that's not going to happen again. Unless NIL money gets so big and you're like a fourth-round draft pick and you're like, well, shit, I'm going to come back for my fourth year because I'll make more money my fourth year in college than I will in uh, in you know, in Green Bay or wherever. That That's the only caveat, but I agree with you. Aaron, I always loved you. I'm sorry these two bozos over here didn't. Um, all right, running back room, really, really difficult. I this told was- you all to pick two. Again, criteria, criteria as you chose, do, do what you want to do, defend it. Lawrence, you go first. Yeah, so I know you said pick two. I'm giving three. Oh, uh, I'm gonna no, make no, up, I'm gonna make up my rules. But I'm going to give two and an honorable mention. My two are Gurley and Chubb. I think those are no-brainers. The running back room for the past 25 years has been stacked, and I threw an honorable mention to Noshan. Uh, Noshan, unfortunately, was mismanaged by Mark Richt, and we missed a year of his uh, electricity, And but he was amazing to watch when he was on the field. Cosine. Lawrence, you want five next time? Just keep going. I mean, talk about Sony hands. Talk about whoever you want. Like, why? why? Yeah, I'm good with Gurley and Chubb, but I probably would have put Noshan as number three. You didn't go way Sean Ely and Isaiah Crowell? So so I have Gurley and Noshan, and I hated not including Chubb, but the memories of Noshan doing his soldier boy and just what he brought to the team. We were out in Arizona that, that game and just, he he was something different. Lawrence, you're right. They mismanaged him. We deserved another year of no Sean. Always like the guy. Uh, all right, wide receiver. I told y'all two. Two means two. Jason, you go. I said three for wide receiver. Did I say three? Yeah. All right, go three. Sorry, I'm, I'm just throwing off Lawrence not obeying the rules. Three wide I'm, receivers. I'm going to uh, throw you guys a little uh, loop here. So AJ Green, number one. Uh, Terrence Edwards, number two. And one... Brock Bowers as number three. You know he's not a wide receiver. Come at me. You know he's not a wide receiver, Jason. Jason trying to get cute with us. And so I I I agree with that, other than Brock Bowers isn't a wide receiver. You guys know who my like all-time Reggie Brown. Reggie Brown. Reggie Brown. So Reggie Brown, hey, section 117, the Reggie section. I gotta go with my man Reggie. Um other than that, I have Heinz Ward. I was unsure if he qualified for the time frame, but he was there while I was there. 
And I have uh and I have AJ Green. Where did Fran Tarkenton stack up on your quarterbacks list? <laughs> I did not pick Bryce Hunter, Jason. So I, I have Heinz Ward on my list too. So you are allowed to include him on yours. I love Heinz. He's my he's in my he's in my top four dogs of all time. Uh, y'all know my story with him in Smyrna and Waffle House and all this stuff. I love myself some Heinz. I have Terrence Edwards on there too. Great dog. I've got Fred Gibson on my top three. I I loved watching that dude play. He came in and just made things happen. So I went Hines, Fred, uh, Terrence. Now, next tight end, uh, I think Gans trying to game the system a little bit. I don't know if you're trying to do Brock in two places or buy yourself an extra tight end, but I gave you all one tight end vote. Brock is the obvious vote. I get it. Where y'all go? Well, I, yeah, I think Brock's for everybody. So pick, uh, so everyone pick one not named Brock. And I, if I had to pick one not named Brock, I would probably say Randy McMichael. Yeah. Um, so this is where I went with like one of my just favorite all time dogs who maybe didn't put up great numbers and didn't have a future in the NFL. I was going to say, who's you got? Leonard Pope. Nope. Larry Brown. Huh. Again, more than 25 years, but that's I fine. love Larry Brown. But, you know, listen, we've had a great run of tight ends, too. We had Orson Charles. We had uh, the Big O. Uh, my list actually has a lot of recency bias on it, but it's Brock Bowers. You know, he's tight end emeritus. Uh, but I'll go Larry Brown as my uh, favorite tight end after that. Your list has some Larry bias on it. And as you all know, most Larrys are bad Larrys. Good Larrys are exceptions to the rule. <laughs> Larry Brown, 1997, Washington Street Tavern. Damn good thing. So I, I have no problem with your Larry Brown selection. Uh, he does fit the bill of being in um, in the time frame. Leonard Pope. I'll go Leonard Pope. Uh, ben Watson, I liked him too. Uh, I'll go I'll go Leonard Pope. All right, so linemen. Gave you all three. Um, didn't differentiate between center, guard, tackle, whatever. We maybe could do five, but, you know, we want to be somewhat cognizant of time. So a uh, lot of different directions to go with three offensive linemen. Where y'all go? I'll kick it off. I, so I drew the the line at, two, at the year 2000, but if we wanted to go back, I would say 98 would be as far back. Um, and and a couple of these things are 97. But uh, with offensive linemen, Andrew Thomas, Roger Jones, and John Stinchcomb. Lawrence? Uh, I went David Andrews, Andrew Thomas, and Jamari Sawyer. Uh, what Jamari Sellier did in that Orange Bowl to uh, Aiden Hutchinson, and uh, it was just awesome. I just think he's a damn good dog all the way around. I went John Stinchcomb, Gantz. He was one of our business school classmates. Uh, always a super good dude. Um, hell of a player. I went Max Juan Hale, just because I loved saying his name, and he was the first like massive beast that we got. He was like 6'8", 350, and then I went Boss Andrews, too. Maybe more for his NFL career than his college career, but yeah, he was just such a good um, kind of spokesman for the university. Uh, all right, hell of a hell of an offensive unit. Let's do defense. Um, we'll start with safety. What I give you all two safeties to choose. Yeah, I, uh, you want me to go? Do you, do you go first on the last one, Gans? I'll go first here. So um, this one is interesting because I don't know if he actually because he played both safety and linebacker. I have Thomas Davis as, as safety. And then my man, Lewis Seen. Uh, he's a great dude. Hell of a nice guy. Um, I think he's a damn good dog, too. So those were my two. So I have Thomas Davis as well. 
uh, and he did play both. And Alec Ogletree, who played safety for the Dogs and then linebacker in the NFL. And, and it, the honorable mention would be Malachi Starks, even though he's only a year and a half in. The guy's fucking awesome. Pardon it's my really mind. funny you said Malachi Starks. I wanted to put him on there, and I was wondering if we could because he's a current player. But he will. if we record this in 10 years from now, he'll be on there. Uh, I also have Thomas Davis. How can you not? And I've got You're My Boy Blue, Greg Blue. He was one of the first guys I remember that was just torpedoing himself out of the safety position and making just massive hits. So I go Thomas Davis, Greg Blue. Uh, cornerbacks, I have a feeling we're going to have a unanimous choice for one of these as well. Maybe we shouldn't even include him. Uh, let's see if this one name pops up on both y'all's list. We could have put him at receiver also. Uh, um, and then um, my next one, I'm curious to see if any of you guys put this guy down. He was like a signing day surprise, uh, a two-star recruit out of Orangeburg, South Carolina, uh, who had a hell of a, uh, a NFL career, also Tim Jennings. Jennings, good, good pick. Luck. I had a uh, head champ in uh, Brandon Boykin, and um, honorable honorable mention Keely Ringo who goes down in Georgia history for the uh, the pick six to seal the natty back in Indianapolis. Okay, with that. Damn, damn Lawrence, I was exactly the same man. Had champ Boykin, and then Ringo um, again, and I guess I threw a third one on there, but uh, how can you not? All right, linebacker. Again, so many, many to choose uh, from. I'm going to say two. If you want a third, I'll give you permission for a third because there's an embarrassment of riches at linebacker. Yes, there is. Go ahead, Lawrence. I mean, the two the two linebackers, it's a no-brainer. It's N'Kobe Dean and Roquan Smith. Um, if I had to throw a third in there just for nostalgia purposes, i go Odell Thurman. I thought he was freaking awesome. Good one. Good one. Odell's Cousins. We got drunk with him at Clemson one day. Odell's cousin. I rode down the street on the way to Clemson when the when we got to a traffic jam. I hung out with Odell's cousin and took shots of like uh, Goldschlager or something. So I do agree that Roquan is the no brainer. I disagree. While I love Nakobe Dean, there is another player that I think was more impactful, um, and that was a transfer who is on the staff at Georgia currently. One Jarvis Jones. Um, my honorable mention would be Nakobe. Uh, Larry Carter, Lorenzo Carter, and um, and and Odell, Odell, and Greg Blue would not be allowed to play today because they would be kicked out for targeting every single game. Love the Jarvis Jones selection. He was the first guy with those massive dreadlocks that came out of his helmet, and his play wow. against Florida to win that game, uh, amazing. I have Boss Bailey in there just because he was so fun to watch back then. The way he would block. Uh, you know, kicks and extra points and field goals was just amazing. Uh, I'm surprised but, he didn't but, pick Kendrell Bell, Gans. He was awesome too. Trout <laughs> <laughs> loved him. Defensive linemen, again, some obvious ones here. There's a there's a certain player that I'm hoping I hear out of one of the one of the two of you guys on this chat. I'm not going to say who yet, but uh, again, some obvious ones. But where'd you go, D line? Okay, so who'd you, who'd you go with, Josh? You haven't gone first in a little bit. I mean, so I went with the two obvious ones, Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter. Uh, and then I went Richard Seymour. And then I went another person that I'm not going to say the name yet because I want to see if one of you two say it. Oh, I'll, I'll go. How many? We, we, was it three or four? Three. I mean, number one was David Pollock. Um, I, I had Pollock first, Jalen Carter second. Um, and there's so many more, but one guy I actually put in because his NFL career, Geno Atkins. Um and then I'd have Jordan Davis and probably Charles Grant on there. Yeah, I so I had I had uh, Jordan Davis, my number one. He's one of my favorite all-time Bulldogs. Great dude. 
Jalen Carter, and I had Pollock and Seymour on my list. Seymour, Marcus Stroud. So the direction that I was looking for you to go, Mr. Gans, was a former uh, dance partner of yours. Uh, who? who can be That guy's awesome. Um, I mean, oh, the other one we could have had was our old neighbor, Josh Mallard. Yeah, yeah. He came and asked us if we knew anything about pigs. <laughs> yeah, pig. So good, so good. Uh, kicker. Uh, when I say kicker, I mean um, field goal kicker. Place kicker, right? Yeah, yep. kicker. I got Hot Rod as my number one, and Billy Bennett is my number two. I had Hot Rod, and I don't care afterwards. <laughs> I got uh, I got Billy Bennett. That game against Alabama, for those reasons and those reasons alone, I have him up there. I just love uh, how Billy Bennett would run on the field, swing that leg, and then he'd go line up and just start booming field goals. So we had a discussion about Hot Rod the other day. Maybe it was with the, the two of you guys. The amount of money he made in the NFL is is kind of low um, for what you, the amount of time we think that he must have you know, played there. He only made a couple million bucks in the NFL. Punters just don't make don't make what they used to. But he did get a chance. Okay. What he only played what two three seasons and then he got cut from the Bucks this year. Three or four, you know, yeah. whatever it was. So punter is a funny one because back in the day when we weren't as good as we are now, the running joke was always, you know, insert punter's name was our best player. So I'm interested to see which direction the two of you guys went in terms of the greatest punter the last 25 years. I went with uh, uh, Georgia uh, royalty, the prince of the kicking game, Drew Butler. Not bad. I went with my boy, Jake Camarda. Like I said, I got some recency bias. He was awesome. And uh, if the Aussie can uh, do what he did against uh, Tennessee again, like he did last year, uh, he'll he'll quickly climb up the ranks. But there's been some damn good punters uh, in the ranks. Um, we had Gordon Eli Kelso. had uh, <laughs> some good ones out there. That's, that's where I went. I went Gordon Eli Kelso just because I love his name. Drew Butler's always been a good dude. We've hung out with him several times, so I have no problem with that selection. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate that our coaches have always spent some time um, recruiting good punters. I think it's important, and uh, we've got a big list. So uh, yeah, I'm sure other people will come up with different names than we did, but I feel like we just did a pretty good job of tatting up the board. How about a bonus question on the fly? Your favorite um, assistant coach over the past 25 years? Got to be pit boss for me. Um, I think that he just made up what a what a assistant coach is supposed to do. I loved his Twitter game. The what do you say? Not yes, sir. What would he say when he signs somebody? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We talked about him last week. So pit boss two weeks in a row. Love it. Not, not Todd Grantham. Um, <laughs> I would say, uh, gosh, that's a tough question. I think I got again recency bias. I need to go with Todd Munkin. I just think he was awesome. Um, you know, he was just very innovative. Um, so I'll, I'll pick him, but, uh, we have had some clowns filling out who, the sidelines of the assistant who was our friend Gans, the, the, uh, was it Heinz Ben Kynes, Ben, but Ben, but don't break defense. Yeah. Joe Kynes, Joe, Kynes. Joe Kynes. That We loved that guy back in the day. Yeah. I, I'd go with Todd Munkin also. I just, I just thought of that one on the fly, but yeah, I would go with Todd Munkin as well. All right. Good stuff. Favorite, favorite long good. snapper. Hardy Gordon. Hardy Gordon. <laughs> there you go. Easy. All right, guys, went a little longer than usual. Appreciate y'all uh, gifting the listeners a few more minutes. I, I enjoyed this exercise we just did. I'm sure people will chime in with their thoughts, which is always fun. Uh, Lawrence, thank you again for hopping in live from the West Coast. Gans, have safe travels to the West Coast tomorrow. All y'all out there listening, appreciate the time and the devotion to the 
to the uh, program every week and uh, Georgia Florida week. So, guys, we'll see you all this weekend. Go dogs. Is there to say? Go dogs. Go dogs. Thank you for listening. Keep chopping. Later, everybody.